Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome everybody who's new here for the first time. It's so great to have um, see new faces, new people in the in the body. We're glad that you joined us. We're thankful that you decided to spend your time with us here today. Um, I am very excited about the word. Um, that God has for us this morning. I'm going to jump in um, immediately. First Kings 18. Uh, I'm just going to read verse 38 to start with, and it says the following. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and it consumed the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, He is God. Man, that fire consumed everything. I, I want you to notice that again. It says, and, the, and, and the, the fire consumed up everything. It said, and they fell on their faces and they cried, the Lord, He is God. I wonder how many of us here have ever had an experience, an event that we could say that caused us to say, the only option I have is to fall on my face and to say, the Lord, He is God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands um, because I know there might be some of you that have never experienced that. And, and I do th- want you to know that it looks different for, for different people. It's, it's not necessarily a fire fall from sky event that I'm talking about. It's not necessarily an earthquake or... Um, God parting the sea. It might be my experience, my first experience where I had the Lord, He is God moment was when I was 19 years old. Going to church to, because I wanted to date a girl and the only place I was allowed to see her was in church because she did one of those year of your life events. Who does that? Um, so the only place I could see her was in church. And man, I, I had this moment with God in worship where it felt like out of the 9,000 people that were there, because that was the size of the church, God was speaking just to me, no one else. It felt like everybody else disappeared. And I had this moment um, in that, well, that moment turned into two hours because eventually I just sat down on the floor um, for two hours because I felt God's presence in a way that I can describe it. And I had that, wow, the Lord, He is God moment. Maybe you've had experience, maybe you've experienced a miracle in your life. Something miraculous that has happened. Where you go, wow, I've had a Lord, He is God moment. Maybe it's been a, a moment where somebody's given you a prophetic word or a word of knowledge. Somebody comes and speaks to you and they tell you something that is, that is so revealing and so powerful that that you take a step back and go that could have only been God speaking to me I was researching God moments by researching I mean scrolling YouTube this week because we live in a time where I think never before in the history of the world have we ever had a greater opportunity and time to record And to broadcast the Lord, He is God moments. And I have to tell you, I I spent about three hours on it. 
listening from people's testimonies, from people that were in car accidents, that were crushed, uh, having somebody they've never met show up, um, being with them in the vehicle, to people that um, were stung by a stingray um, and were supposed to die from from people that were supposed to drown in a car and they save the person out of the car and when they take the, they break the window, oh no, they reach in to save the person out of the car. She grabs the hand of the person, takes him out of the car and when they take the car out of the water, none of the windows are broken and none of the windows are open. Like there, and I was like watching all of this, I was stirred up spiritually and emotionally. Because God is still God. We are still supposed to experience the Lord, He is God moments in our lives. But I think we here, especially in Canada, we have become so self-sufficient, so I can do things on my own that we don't look for God moments. And when they do happen, we don't recognize them or, or we turn the other way because if we do recognize them, we might be accountable for what we've seen. We don't look for the fire of God to fall over our lives. Uh, how many have ever heard of the Yoshmite National Park in California? Yoshmite, I think that's how you say it. Yoshmite? Okay, fine. Say it your way. Listen, that is Yosh. Might. Yosh might. Yosh might. The way you say it in Hebrew is Yosh might. <laughs> Let me throw that in there. No. Okay, so the Yosemite National Park in California. So, so this park had an event, um, and, and, and it was a spectacle, and it was called the Firefall. And it began in 1872. Now, when you read up about how it began, there's no real detail on how this event began. But I think I know. I think there were a couple of guys. Maybe they've gone hunting like in 1872. You know, they've got some guns with them and they make fire. And, and if you don't know what the fire falls, there's an image of it. So, so what they did is um, they, they would, throughout, throughout the year, they would gather all the trees that have fallen over um, and they would put them on a big pile, and then they would light them on fire and make this massive bonfire, and then they would start shoveling the coals and the fire off this granite mountaintop. Now, I don't think somebody planned it. I'm convinced it was a couple of guys that did that, and somebody saw that, and they go, that's amazing. We should do that every year. Um, so, so they had this event where people could go and watch the fire fall. It was called the firefall, and they would light up the fire at the top, and then only when the people yell, let the fire fall, would they start pushing these fire logs off the hill, and it, it literally became a waterfall of fire. I think it must have looked amazing. So let the fire fall was their call. Well, there's a story about a man, and this is what I was reading about. There was a story about a man who witnessed this once, 
And he decided to go back to experience it again. And he took his girlfriend back with him this time so she can experience it also. And when he came back, he spoke to a ranger and he said, I was about at the same time of the year when it's supposed to happen. And, and he asked the ranger, when is the firefall? And the man said to him, I'm sorry, sir. We don't have that firefall year anymore. We don't have it here anymore. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. It stopped in 1968. And while when I read that, it really struck me. On a personal level. And for the church. And for Christianity. And for our faith. Because I think that could be said for many churches, many individuals, and many places, and many believers. At one time, man, we were on fire for God. The church had this bright, burning experience with God. When you come to church, you leave feeling filled, and man, I feel like I've, I've, I've received energy and passion, and, and I'm ready to go again. The fire was falling. It was like a waterfall raining down on our lives. And at this firefall, at this event, what they would have at the bottom is they would have firefighters extinguishing the fire that has fallen. And it's almost like we've had firefighters in the church who thinks that their job is to put out the fire of God. Instead, and instead of allowing the fire to fall even more. We don't have the fire fall here anymore. I don't have the fire fall here anymore. No longer is there a bright burning bonfire of praise and worship and joy, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately for, for many, it's now just like a flickering ember that, that, that's, that, that's the only thing that's ember. That's all that's remained of our passion. Gone is our praise. It's more controlled. Gone is our, our awareness of God's glory and His goodness and our, and our dependence on His Word as the authority and the final authority in our lives. Gone is our enthusiasm and our innocence to think that we know more than what God knows because we are educated and what makes me even sadder is, is what has filled the place of where the firefall is supposed to be. It's been filled with, with politics and division in the church, with fear and with guilt and with apathy and with convenience and with wokeness. And I want to say this. Please don't get me wrong when I say this. The only thing that needs to be woken it's the fire of God in our lives. That's it. The church is not the place for personal agendas and personal opinions. It's not. We should not try to convince the word of God that it is wrong and we know better. That simply shows me you have a greater fire desire for yourself than you have for God. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. 
Matthew 28, 8, the the, the five virgins that ran out of oil in the story of the bridegroom coming. Let that not be us. They didn't have the oil in their lamps. They said, give us your oil for our lamps are gone out. Our fire has stopped. One translation said, give us your oil for our flame is dying. Dying flames. Flames that once were ignited by the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost today are no longer burning brightly. We are supposed to shine. We are supposed to be the light of the darkness in this world. But our fire is out. Our passion for God is gone. We need a firefall. We need the fire of God to fall on us again. And I don't know when was your last one. Maybe the last time it was, was 1968. I don't know when was the last time where you experienced God's presence in your life because you were pursuing him. He said, if you look for me, you will find me. Now, I know some of you are scared when I say firefall because you might have been to churches where there's been weird experiences in regards to fire tunnels and fire this and fire that. And and I don't want you to be scared about the word firefall or the fire of God. Don't be scared of it. So what is the fire of God? Number one, the fire of God is a symbol of God's deity. We see it in the Bible. Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is, an, is a consuming fire. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 says, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Malachi 3 says, he shall sit as a refiner's fire. Isaiah 4, 4 says, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of burning. Oh, I love that. Is the spirit of burning. Matthew 3.11, he, speaking of Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and in fire. The fire of God is a symbol of deity. Second thing, the fire is a symbol of acceptance and approval by God. It's not something to be scared of. When they offered an offering unto the Lord in the Old Testament, the way they knew that the Lord approved of the offering is that the offering will be consumed by fire. It was a symbol of acceptance. In Leviticus 9, it says, A fire went out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the sacrifice, and the people shouted and fell on their faces. It was approval and acceptance. God said, The sacrifice that you're bringing, I'm approving that, and I'm consuming it. First Kings 18, we read that earlier. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. It was a sign of God's approval for what they were bringing to him. It was a sign of God's acceptance. But what would that look like for us today? Because please, don't go and build altars and make sacrifices. That's not what God is asking from us anymore. What would that look like to us? When our lives get to the place That because we choose his ways above ours, we choose his revealed will above our comfortable opinions. When our lives become a living sacrifice, not my will be done, but yours. It is like that 
It would be like that we are walking around like a sacrifice that has God's presence on us, burning away the chaff, burning away the nonsense and the things that we believe that are not from God, but it requires us living a sacrificial lifestyle. And at some point in our lives, we become so transformed that it begins to manifest outwardly. And people see God's approval over our lives. It's like I'm going to apply His Word. And because I am applying His Word, this lifestyle that I'm living that's different than the world, that's different than what culture says, that's different than, than what I'm trying, people, media might be trying to program us into a direction. When my life becomes different, I keep living that. God's consuming fire comes into my life and my life becomes a testimony of God's acceptance. And it's seen through His goodness. That's awesome. We should desire that fire. The fire of God will consume that sacrifice, that life. He will burn away the chaff, the nonsense, the doubt, the fear, the pain. He'll burn away the hurt, the depression, the anxiety, the offenses, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the division, the guilt, the condemnation. He'll burn it away when we live a life that is a sacrifice unto God, choosing to do things His way. So, so the fire is a symbol of God's deity. Secondly, a fire is a symbol of acceptance and approval. And number three, the fire is a symbol of God's presence. Many times God's presence was demonstrated by fire. In Zechariah 2, it says, um, I will be unto Jerusalem a wall of fire around about and the glory of the Lord in the midst of her. When the children of Israel walked through the wilderness in the Bible, it said that they were led by a pillar of fire at night. The fire had a guiding effect on him. God's fire in our lives is a guiding effect. It's like, it's, it's like knowing that I'm stepping out and it's like, oh, I can feel God's not here. I'm doing things where I know he is not present. The, the fire of God for them was a guiding effect upon them. It was a sign of God's presence. It was for Israel really easy to know that they've gone off, pack, uh, off track. Because there was a fire going ahead. And when you go in a different direction than what the fire is going, it's easy to recognize. We know that Moses met God at the burning bush that didn't burn out. The fire of God was the presence of God in that moment. And that presence was so significant that it convinced him to go to a king that was actually looking for him to kill him, to tell him to let all his slaves go. That's the presence of God walking with you. The only fire that some churches have right now is what you have in the matches when you have to light the candles for communion. There's no fire in the pulpits. Uh, it, there's, it, there's like, uh, I'm hearing no fire for God. There's no fire in the seats. Many churches, people are just showing up because this is what we have to do on Sundays. There's no fire in the singing. There's no fire in the prayer. There's no fire in the praise. Charles Spurgeon said the following. He said, put some fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. We need the fire of, of God. Come on, church. 
If your desire is, Lord, I desire your fire in my life. Where you are right now, it's a simple thing of saying, God, I want more of your fire in me. It is, it is a sign of you being God. It's a sign of your leading. It's a sign of me choosing your ways. It's a sign of your presence. I want that. We all know places where programs have replaced passion and power. Now, I don't say throw away the programs. They are great. Use them. But when they become drained of God's presence and God's fire, then it's just a program. It's just a religious act that has nothing in it. When worship becomes highly mechanical, it's time for the fire to fall again. Now, I know our worship team. I know that they spend time in prayer and in worship, and their hearts are to lead us as a body into the presence of God to make it easy for us to forget about what's going on around us, where we can give our focus to God and say, God, fill me with your fire. But it's still up to the individual, to the person to make that stand, to make that decision. The worship team can't take you there. They can't make you go there. It's a decision you make when you are worshiping. The chaff needs to be burnt off and God needs to be elevated. Here's the thing that really gets to me and, and I'm, I'm, I love the church. I love the body of, of God. The church was God's plan for this world. The church is God's plan for the world. It's his plan A. God's plan A for sin was Jesus. God's plan A to influence the world is the church. But when the church becomes immoral, when the church becomes things, everything is just okay. We've missed it. The world is bathed in immorality. It's not immortality. Immorality. And our hearts become no longer convicted because the church, we have a role to play in this. It's time for the fire to fall. Meaning, it's time for more of God. When nudity is called art and believers are okay with it, invading their homes, it's time for the fire to fall in your home again. When a marriage, when marriage itself is being twisted to suit secular culture, and we are told that the world is the, the word of marriage is wrong and we should ad adapt. It's time for the fire to fall on marriage again and say, no, God's presence is in the fire. When you remove that from marriage, that is not marriage. When children are being told and taught that they can choose their gender, it's time for the fire to fall. We need more of God's presence, not less. Timothy said in, in Timothy 1 verse 6, stir up the gift of God that is in you. Rekindle the fire that is within you. Stir up the fire that is within you. Stir it up. We have to keep the fire burning. Now, I'm not saying any of these things because we want to be right and they want to be wrong. The reason why I'm passionate about these things that the word says is because I know the word always leads towards life. And I don't want to see any person on a road towards death, hurt, and pain. 
I want them to walk towards life. That's why I'm passionate about making sure that the church never compromises preaching what life is. Rekindle the fire, keep it burning. Fire comes from God, but we have to keep it burning. God will give you the fire, but you have to put the wood on the fire. Here's a profound thought, Proverbs 26, 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Proverbs, Solomon, wisest man. That's a great scripture. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. If you don't put wood on the fire, it's just a matter of time before you, all you're going to have is ashes. And for some of us, where we are right now in our relationship with God, in our relationship with who He is, we, we are at a place of ashes. God's calling you to put wood on the fire. You're like, what is wood? Bible reading is wood. Taking the Bible as God's truth, that's wood. Prayer, that's wood on the fire. Praise, it's wood on the fire. Living and choosing to do things God's way in faith, even when you don't agree with His ways, that's wood on the fire. Forgiving your enemies is wood on the fire. Resisting temptation when nobody's watching, that's wood on the fire. Rebuilding an altar of worship in your life is wood on the fire. Daily relationship with God, acknowledging Him as your Lord, that's wood on you. When you just do that, God, you are my God. Every day, you are my God. Every day what you are doing, you're putting wood on your fire. Giving, and not just when you have a lot. That's wood on the fire. Training up your children to follow God's ways. That's wood on the fire. Serving. It's wood on the fire. We have to keep the firebox full. Many of us are on our last little twigs. It's time to fill up the firebox. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, quench not the spirit. Don't put fake, fake logs in there. We need the real thing on the fire. In this hour, even more than before, we need to be real in our praise and in our, our praise and in our prayer and in our worship. We need to be real in it. This, this is not the hour for fake Christianity. This is not the time for that. And what I mean by, by this is if you are, Trying to fool somebody around you by being religious, the only person that's damaged by that is you, no one else. Real wood on the fire is being honest, being vulnerable in front of our God. Like Elijah, remember, when he got under the tree and said, oh Lord, I want to die. Being honest about where you are at with them in your relationship is real wood. Standing in front of God saying, oh God, I need nothing. I'm all good. It's not real. Being in front of Him, especially when you are going through hard times, it's being honest with Him about what you are going through. That is a relationship with what God wants from us. It's not fake logs. We need to put real wood on the fire. Someone this week asked me, how do I give my life to God? What are the things that I need to do to give my life to God? 
And I want you told them, I want you to know, God's not interested in fake wood. He's interested in you being honest about your need for him. That's it. Right now. You can do it right now. Right now where you are. There's no ritual. There's no big event. It's a simple, honest conversation between you and him saying, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That's it. It's an honest moment with God, which is real wood on the fire. I'm going to call the worship team up. There's a song which we used to sing way back. Uh, I think you might might know it. And this song was just in my heart this whole week. The song is, um, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. And I hope that's your desire. I hope that's yours. It, it doesn't help that it's mine. It has to be yours. When we allow God to burn again in our lives... When we get fired up again with that first fire, God had said this morning, he feels there's going to be somebody here that's going to have that first moment experience where they meet God for the first time. That that fire that you have of where you know, wow, I just gave my life to the Lord. That moment we know I've just done it for the first time. That thing that's in you, he said God wants to do that this morning for somebody who's here right now. That moment where you are honestly coming to God and saying, I'm surrendering all. So I want to ask everybody, please close your eyes. I'm going to make a call out to two groups of people. The one is for those who are here and who've never said yes to Jesus Christ before. I want you to know that God is ready to receive you. And all you need to say is, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And then the second group are for those of you that are here this morning, where the fire, the fire is, it is, it's like a, there's some ashes that's still smoldering, but it, but it's busy dying. The fire that you once had is not there anymore, and you want to say this morning, fire, fire of God, presence of God, come into my life again. 
if that's you, I want to want to challenge you. We're gonna we're gonna sing two songs still, praise songs, worship songs, where this is right now just between you and him and no one else. It's you saying to God, I want more of you in my life, not less. I need more of you, not less. So this is your opportunity to to make that prayer during the worship. You can speak to him. You can pray. You can sing along. You can close your eyes. You can sit. Whatever is authentic and real and honest in your conversation, whatever it is, have it with him right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.